Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Food Insight podcast where I, Kimberly Wilson, chartered psychologist and enthusiastic eater, take you through all things food and psychology. In today's episode, I'm breaking bread with Caribbean cook, author and presenter Shivi Ramutar. To record this episode, I joined Shivi at her home, which gave me the opportunity to twist her arm and get her to share some of her wonderful classical piano playing, which you've just heard. And on the theme of music, we also discuss how, as a black musician, she was somewhat pigeonholed into performing R&B, even though that wasn't her personal style of music. In the rest of the episode, Shippy shares some very funny stories about her family's addiction to the hottest homemade chilli sauce, aided and abetted by her great-aunt's possibly illegal ingredient importation. She retells the story of her disastrous first round of MasterChef and explains why she was the worst lawyer ever. Super multi-talented and very, very funny, a fantastic deadpan storyteller. I hope you enjoy this conversation half as much as I did. I'm here with Shibi Ramatal and I'm very excited. Thanks for having me, Shibi. Thank you so much for coming here. So before we kick off, for the sake of the audience, um, for people who are silly enough not to know you, could you introduce yourself, please? I'm Shibi Ramutar. I'm a Caribbean cook. Um, I used to run a supper club um, that was all about Caribbean sharing food and really social eating. That was always my message that I tried to get through with my food. Um, and I wrote a book, Caribbean Modern, a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, I'm working on my second book now. Exciting. Um, What's, when, what, details? Family food. Oh, is this the... Uh, the new online project. So, yeah, that's separate. Okay. So it's another project. Are we allowed to talk about these things? Yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so like, fingers in a lot of pies, I guess. Keeping busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really enjoying it. I guess the family aspect comes from having had a child. Yeah, it's I guess it's currently just running around in the sunshine, screaming and having lots of fun. But um, yeah, I think that you know, I guess you do what reflects your life, don't you? You sort of. And then you could be more authentic with that because you're going mm. through it. 
Yeah, but it's always big flavours. As always, we kick off these Breaking Bread episodes with your meaningful food. So please tell us what you've got. So I have here um, some homemade pepper sauce. I opened the lid just a few minutes ago and um, my tongue is already watering at the sides. <laughs> um, it's something, I guess, that we have pretty much at every meal, except for any cheese-based Italian meal. Um, and now my husband's a big fan as well. Uh, but it's essentially swatch bonnet peppers, uh, uh, cilantro, which is the wild form of coriander, which actually we call in Trinidad shadow benny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, I always try to describe it as a really amped-up flavour, a really earthy version of coriander. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of my most favourite things to use. Where do you get hold of it um, here? We used to be able to get hold of it at Chappers Bush Market. There was a little Chinese, um, uh, was it off-licence? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not really an off-licence, it's like a little shop. So not actually in the market itself, because that used to sell out. They used to come in on like twice a week and that sold out and I've been there and literally a whole bunch of Trinis have already gone and taken it all. But there's still a tiny shop that nobody knows about. Um, they used to come in, I think, well, I guess from um, Asia, so mm. not from the Caribbean, but they're not allowed to import it anymore. Mm. So, as I kind of get, but, <laughs> but what we do now is we um, blitz it. So if, you know, so my dad comes in regularly, so he blitz it with water and garlic and it's great. You know, it's, it's, it's on a freezer and then I just sort of like in ice cubes. Uh, my auntie, great auntie, um, she used to bring a lot of stuff in for us, probably illegally, <laughs> but she was then flagged up, you know, so now mm. anytime she comes through, it's immediate, come with me. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to declare, madam. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think sometimes you play, play dumb and go, oh, how did that get in there? <laughs> my 17 kilos. <laughs> Of like seeds, fruits, and nuts coming into the country. Um, so yeah, so sadly she's no longer my go-to. So um, yeah, but I think it changes. It enhances every flavor. You know, it really, it really brings out an earthiness. Um, and there's just something there. I don't know what it is. I guess it's uh, you know a different climate. Um, maybe the sun intensity, the earth. That everything is just amplified. You know. Um, there's also something that I used to love that's not in this, but it's essentially like a Scotch bonnet but without the heat. And we call them mm. flavour peppers or pimento peppers. Mm-hmm. God, they just, they make, I don't know what it does to a dish. They just sort of add this, this just oomph of bold flavour. It's just, it's really nice. Again, we can't get that here either. So I may have to emigrate back home. <laughs> and have you always made it from scratch like in your family? Yes, or, always mm-hmm. from scratch. Or, you know, there'll be like an auntie would have made it and she makes it better than, you know, allegedly better than this person so everybody has a slight different mm-hmm. take on it um, but essentially it's the same you know there's a um, papaya papaya in it a scotch bonnet lots of garlic lots of the colantro mm-hmm. um, a little bit of mustard american mustard as in the like the, the hot dog mustard yeah exactly mm-hmm. like the, the sweet french's mm-hmm. slightly sweet one um, and vinegar mm-hmm. and that's it and it's good and obviously the longer you have it over time the more beautiful it tastes oh, it like also chunks. lime lime as well big chunks of lime yeah, sort of like settles uh, into itself. Okay. Well, blitzed in rather than the juice. Yeah. No, actually blitzed in. So mm-hmm. the whole, like, you know, you just chop the lime up, mm-hmm. peel and everything and put it in. And over time, I guess it pickles. So, so you, you get a bit of a bitterness as well. Yeah, you get the bitterness. You can eat, you can bite into it. I mean, mm. it's scorching, but it is beautiful. And actually my mum's, um, I will say this, it's my uncle. So <laughs> my mum's sister's husband. Mm-hmm. He, because um, obviously you develop a, you develop a, um, uh, 
tolerance mm. to chilli to mm. peppers. So he'd be there with scotch bonnet, dipping it in scotch bonnet sauce. Mm-hmm. Just as a snack. Just as a snack. <laughs> so, because I feel like I've got a pretty good chili oh, tolerance, yeah. but I'm not snacking. Yeah. Chili <laughs> on chili. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you had it? Or uh, no, I don't remember the first time I had it. I remember as a child watching my parents. Anytime we ate anything, and you know, we cook a lot of Caribbean food, but it wasn't always Caribbean food. So it'd be like burgers or spaghetti, or whatever. Every time we ate a meal as a family. My little sister wasn't born, which is my big sister and I. I just see them crying all the time. <laughs> They'd be eating and crying, eating and crying, you know, just wiping tears away. And I used to say to them, why would you put yourself through this. that? And now I get it because you get addicted to it. There is something in that that you just want more and more. And you cry and your nose is running and you can't help it. Yeah. There's, um, I think I read... Uh, a thing that said that people people who have a chilli tolerance and enjoy eating chilies, it's not that they can't taste the intensity, mm. it's that they like the pain. Really? <laughs> Which I thought was quite funny. I'm, I'm not really sure, because sometimes we see packets of things that say that it's mild chilli, and I taste it, and I feel like, what is this? <laughs> no, after all, it's too mild. It's nothing. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and they're like, fine. oh, this yeah, is... Yeah. <laughs> you see on the packets, it's like one chilli, and I'm like, this is... No chilies. <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. Um... But yeah, no, apparently there's just that, a part of it is just liking the burn, like liking the feeling. That's interesting. It kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and, you know, like I had um, a tooth out and you kind of like stick your tongue in the thing. And I used to love that. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, it's 50 grade, 50 shades of grey. <laughs> just edible version. That's more appealing. So, shall we try yeah, some? Please. Okay, so I've got, so you know you should never put metal into chilli sauce. It should always be like um, glass or plastic. Well, just not plastic anymore because that's not reactivity. PC anymore. Yeah, exactly. I just shook it and just give it another mm. shake. It always makes my mouth water. And actually, my mum, she when she came in, she said, "Oh, I've run out of chili sauce, so I've got to hide this from her. Why should I take this with her?" <laughs> and because of that, you can't have it immediately. You have to wait for it to sort of season in. How long do you leave it to fill? <sighs> I think so. I, I, you know, I wrote in my recipe so at least sort of like a week. I'd mm. say it's coming yeah, it's really, early. You need yeah. like a few, a few weeks, maybe even a month. It's like a chutney, isn't it? When yeah, you... exactly. It just hasn't, you know, it's, it, then it's really bitter because okay. the sweetness sort of doesn't resonate. So just dip or go for that big chunk. All right, am I going to hurt myself? Oh, right, go for Let's it. See. Wish me luck, guys. Oh, I can smell. I can smell the Scots Bonnets in there. Wait for the afterburn. Oh, that's nice. How are you doing that? <laughs> and like, I really, you took a massive bit. I really like chili. You took a massive bit. <laughs> I have, can I have <sighs> it put it on the record that I am hardcore? <laughs> Evidently. That's Evidently. Really lovely. But it's flavour, right? It's mm. not just like a... And there's an after flavour. Mm. There's a... Very limey. Garlicky. That's good. And that's in your book, is it? Mm-hmm. Amazing. This one has scorpion peppers in. Again, brought in... Yeah, <laughs> but it's you could use scotch bonnets. Um, but it's uh, just also for the record, Hindi has gone for the water. Just a little sip, just a little sip. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously spit peas as well. But these are sort of like you know, my dad came back from the Caribbean today, so I asked him to sort of find you know uh, beach snacks as I call them, but they only had spit peas, which are still amazing. Again, there's something addictive about it, mm-hmm. and I think they have put the calantra in this one. They've said just salt and pepper. It's more than salt and pepper. I know they put um, 
<laughs> they've got us on the secret spice. No, I know it, but they just haven't written it down, which is very typical. It's they very just said yellow split peas, vegetable oil, salt and pepper. There's more, there's like garlic powder in that. You can see bits of dried chili. What would, um, what would our food standards yeah, look like? <laughs> we won't mention that. <laughs> so, when did you come over to the UK? What was, so, what, okay. where is your family based? Yeah. So I think we came over when I was about 10 years old, but before we did that, um, there was a stint in New York, and my dad actually was, um, he studied medicine in the UV, University of West India, UV, they call it the university, local West Indian university across the islands, and then um, he came to UCL to do, uh, to finish, I guess, or to do another additional mm-hmm. bit of studying, and we were in New York because my grandmother was in New York, mm-hmm. and my mum had just had my little sister. I don't know how she, I don't know how she did did it with three What's kids. What's the age gap between you? So it's my elder sister is four years older than me, and I'm five years older than my little sister. Oh gosh, okay. Yeah, so big gap. So I don't know. I really, you know, I never know. Like I'm in awe of her of how she managed three children in a big city, having come from a little island where things were very different. Yeah, I don't know how she did it. You know, and as a child, you know, you don't think about it, and only now when I have. My son and I'm having one of those days, I think. Well, I have one <laughs> child and I know London. So um, A little round of applause for your mum finally in your head. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so then um, we stayed there for about four or five years. Um, again, you know, I just, I remember going to school. We went to a convent school there. And um, again, it was just so, so random just meeting girls who are much more mature than I am because, you know, I guess being in New York life and mm. it's a very different mm. life as a girl um, as a little girl it wasn't so little I remember going over to a friend's house um, to watch a movie and the options were sort of Little Mermaid or Pretty Woman and she wants to watch Pretty Woman and I had zero Ooh. interest I know we were like <laughs> we were like seven years old it's all about Ariel surely <laughs> exactly but she sort of gave me this sort of disgruntled look really you know so mm. um, but yeah it was a uh, it was very different because I had a very sort of outdoorsy childhood, so I think I think that was probably difficult, I guess, for a mum. Because then we, you know, we had this sort of like the you know the space to run around in Trinidad, and then we went to a apartment in the states, and it was you know small, mm-hmm. three of us. Um, yeah, I'd have torn my hair out. I'd have you know, but she did. She you know we I just it was lovely, and then we came to the UK to I guess to join my dad, mm-hmm. um, although he was based in London and we went to Leicestershire. Which is where my auntie was. We're, we're literally scattered across international the international family. <laughs> <laughs> we are literally the international family. You go to a country. You have any relatives here? Yeah, there's some Thanks, guys. <laughs> Turn up with your cases. I heard there were some Ramutars. Yeah, where are you guys? Where are you guys? <laughs> Ramutar, by the way, is a very common name. It's like the Smith of Trinidad. So okay. you'll find a Ramutar everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, so we joined my auntie, who was um, in a small, this, mom uh, my mum's uh, littlest sister. So she's one of five girls, and um, we went to the same village because family's there, so you think, you know, we'll just go and we have the support there, I guess. Um, and, you know, I remember it. It was a really small little village. Uh, the local school was, um, you know, tiny. I think we were the first, well, not after my auntie, but because my auntie's kids weren't born and they were a lot younger, I think we were the first, like, non-white children in the school mm-hmm. um how was that that was actually you know i think you know i had like a 
nothing outrageously racist, but little sort of childish little bits. Of, but I never really took much, you know, it, I guess because I wasn't really aware of it. Mm. So, you know, somebody would sing some little horrendous ditty. For want of a better word. Racist sing song. <laughs> exactly. But I also don't think, you know, maybe this is me sort of looking back with rose glasses. I also don't think that they as children were aware of what they were doing, maybe. Maybe it was more mm. of like a... I don't know. Maybe this is me just looking back at it in rose-tinted views. Did your accent change then? Yeah, majorly. I mean, when we first came here, I had a very uh, US accent, actually. Um, and to be honest, you know, like, I adapt. So when I'm around my family, it becomes a little bit more Caribbean. And, you know, it mm. sort of can change a bit. Mm-hmm. But any Trinidadian can always hear slight little nuances beneath what is quite English now, actually. I've really sort of, you know, I guess that's from school and whatnot over the time mm. uh, growing up with uh, growing up with other kids. I guess you sort of pick up that accent. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but, like, really, I guess also a lot of people also always assumed I was, um, like, mixed race. A lot of people always thought I had a white parent and a black parent as well. Mm. I remember in university somebody would ask if I was half caste, which I know now is not a, it's not a said thing, right? It's not a PC thing. But it never really, like, I never really had any... It sounds like you were quite, and whether it's about your own kind of, and I say this kindly, like yeah. naivety. Yeah, oh, God, so naive. <laughs> or whether it was something to do with being with family. But hmm. you were quite shielded from what could have been quite difficult transitions, right? So you go from the Caribbean and outdoorsy lifestyle, a completely different way of life, to urban New York apartment Mm. for a little while, and then over to a rural village. Cows. (laughs) In Leicestershire. You know, those are big transitions before the age of, what, 12? Yeah, yeah. Um, But it sounds like, unless there are some deeply repressed It sounds like, you know, that you've kind of adapted pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we I have great – from school. So when I started from year six onwards – what's that? Is that high school? Year six? Uh, no. Well, year seven is the beginning. Year seven. So yeah. from year seven onwards. So we were, like, you know, our, our primary school was a really um, rustic, for want of a better word. It was just really, like, primary school in the village – and then we went to um, Leicester uh, uh, school, so my high school in Leicester City. So then there was there was a lot more diversity there, and actually um, a lot of my I still have a lot of close friends from school, which is really nice because mm-hmm. you you know you no matter how long you spend apart from each other, you come back and it just feels like you no, no, nothing's changed. It's so nice. So I guess there was a lot more diversity. You know, obviously it's a massive uh, multicultural community, mm-hmm. a lot of Muslim community, a lot of Indian community, a lot of Caribbean community in Leicestershire. Uh, so I guess, yeah, at high school it was, it didn't even occur to me then as well. But, you know, I, it, so my point was that, yeah, so um, we had, my, you know, my mum still sort of raised us in a very Caribbean way. So we, now and again, we'd go out, I'd go out with friends, but it was very much about, you know, extracurricular as well. So, you know, there's no sort of, lazing about let's go and do your piano and you go swimming I was gonna say how many instruments did you <laughs> yeah my dad always jokes this we used to catch the school bus to school and he'd always walk us there and 
there was once I had a saxophone, which I played for probably a year and then realized it's not for me. Saxophone, flute, and violin, and I was carrying all three of these cases in. I know. That's making me get you to play Piano was my, my, my dad said when, you know, when I was getting married that I, I, cooking obviously is what I do, but like he said, my first love was music. I always really? wanted to be a classical pianist. That's, oh, really? Oh, I, yeah, I, that was my thing. I loved piano. Did I you have a piano in the house? Yeah, we had a piano. Um, I remember when we went to pick it up, we had to drive across like the whole of, I don't know, we went to some like two hour drive into some countryside to pick it up from this old lady. I mean, it was a, you know, a honky tonky one, but you know, you used to get up in the mornings and go and play first thing. I loved music. Music was just, really loved it. I love it. Yeah. What happened to being a classical pianist? Again, uh, I guess it was, and I understand it from my parents' perspective, you know, when you, um, you know, you, you always want the best for your kids and you think about stability and mm-hmm. financial security and stuff and, you know, that world is not, you know. Although saying that, I was made redundant as a lawyer, so. Thanks, mum and dad. No, but you know what? Like, I feel things happen for a reason. And even my mum would say now, but you could have done it. If you wanted to do it, you could have just gone and done it, you know, and she's mm-hmm. right. I could have, you know, but I think things work for a reason. And I remember going to a summer after first year of university, my little sister's a phenomenal cellist. And so myself, her, and my mum, we went to, um, to Prague to do a music festival like thing there. And I remember going there. And I hadn't obviously been practicing as much as I had been when I was at home. Mm. And I remember seeing little children who were just, you know, and I just thought sure, actually man. in that world, as good as I was, maybe I just would never have been able to compete, you know? You were gently <laughs> guided yeah. towards a more stable career. Or more of the fact that it was to, you know, because if I wanted to go to music school, it would have been 16. So I really, you know, I, actually my music teacher, a lady called Marlene, um, she was just the most incredible influence. Like she was just the most wonderful lady in my life. She, I remember her visually, she's just, she didn't have children. She had um, this phenomenal sense of dress. So she'd come in, you'd come into a lesson and she'd be there in like a yellow uh, tailored suit and have the most incredible rings and she was just you know when you as a kid you look up to somebody a lot mm. and I really looked up to her so you know we had the I wanted to go to Juilliard which was fine you know if you think about music mm. it's always where he goes um, so I did I did practice the repertoire for that but uh, my parents were very much we get it we, we get you love music but maybe get a degree I, I'd probably be the same sure. with Mike as well you know you just need something because you have to think about what if exactly you know and then I came to London and I did uh I did my degree and I you know I still and that was a law degree law degree mm-hmm. and um I still you know I used to uh go to the Camden Jazz Cafe and play there um they used to have open mic nights I used to go and play I still used to do a lot of gigging and things like that but then my music changed that was then it became more sort of popular mm-hmm. songwritery stuff rather than the classical stuff um I still write now I still compose music okay. Um, as a hobby, and I, I still love it. It's still my oh my god! I need a, a two minutes just to sit at the piano and just. So, what is that feeling? Uh, I guess it's just it's my like zone out. So it's like you know, there's life now. I feel is just so. I don't know. Like I notice more and more often that people are so. Uh, they love throwing the word busy around, you know, as if it's like a badge, mm. you know, and everybody's busy. But is it a Good thing. I don't know if I like that word busy. 
you know? Mm. Not from my perspective. No. <laughs> like, we've, start, we've, we've glamorized busy quite yeah. a lot. And certainly, um, if anybody, anybody who works with me will know that I, as soon as they say, oh, it's really busy, we stop and we have a little think about what that means. Yeah. And, and quite often, certainly in a therapy context, busy serves a function. Mm. And being constantly busy, like always being on the go, is a really, really effective way of avoiding other things. Yeah. You know, avoiding big conversations, avoiding thinking about difficult things. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's it's this really classically we might call it a kind of manic defence, you know, that okay. you can find a way to constantly be occupied so you don't have to think about it. Yeah. And sometimes people know that, like certainly after like after a bereavement, people say, I just need to keep busy. Yeah. And they'll know. They'll just have that sense that it's they're keeping something at bay. Okay. And so, you know, maybe there's something a bit broader, you know, a, a yeah. more diluted version of that that happens in yeah. society. Or maybe we are, we are all just overworked. But what's wrong with just, like, you know, but busy also, I feel fine it means that people, you know, like, socialise, I'm so busy, da, da, da. What's wrong with, and I, I'm guilty of it too, because sometimes I think what's wrong with just, like, a weekend of nothing? <laughs> it's the competition, isn't it? That everyone... Yeah has to be seen to be striving yeah. and doing more. And and particularly now when you can create a version of yourself online, yeah. there's this real incentive to be seen to be doing things, whether that's going to a new restaurant opening yeah. or going on a night out or going on a holiday or doing your spin class at 6am or, yeah. you know, all of these things creates an image that is supposed to be aspirational it's supposed yeah. to be something that other people look up to oh i get it and then you fall into the trouble feeling oh my god maybe i don't do enough in my life i need to do more i need to get earlier and go to sleep later and... but that's the kind of classic personality type of a lawyer right so what happened <laughs> <laughs> what happened there so you did your law degree oh my god do you know what it was Kimberly? i think oh i just feel that i i've always sort of you know, even as a child, I love doing things that are creative, that I get to create, you know, that I do something that nobody else is doing, that it's not, you know, it's not like a, now I don't want to belittle any lawyers, because I think if you enjoy it, it's wonderful, it's great, I've got, you know, I've met a fantastic friend from my law firm, who is very creative, he's also very good at being a lawyer, I just wasn't, I just felt that, um, fortunately I was in a really big law firm, but they had a piano, so I mostly spent most of my days downstairs. You know, I take my my BlackBerry and I take my book, busying, looking like busy, <laughs> busy on busy. the piano. I'm busy. I'm walking down there, and I just go into the piano room and I play and I play and I play. I what, just, what kind of law did you do? I did a corporate law, so securitization law. Mm-hmm. So um, that obviously went kaput. And actually, you know, I was I'm probably the only well lawyer as I was then in history to have you know gone in at ten and left at. 5.30. That's early. It's terrible. I got the most, I mean, I think I had a reputation. I must have had a reputation. Um, but I just didn't care. I didn't care. And I got to a stage where even when I was going into work and I looked at myself in the mirror, I was thinking, oh my God, you know, I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, it was, I just feel there was nothing that inspired me. I wasn't creating anything. Um, the reason I did my research on uh, lawyers, that was what my first master's was in, um, was because I was aware that there were these incredibly talented, high-achieving, goal-driven people yeah. who were also 
very critical of themselves, yeah. feeling as if they weren't doing well enough, yeah. feeling as if they had to work harder and harder and harder, and looking to me as if they were just burnt out already yeah. at God, and 27 young, right? or something. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's also the big thing is that, you know, a lot of my friends who were doing it, who didn't want to do it, it was just like, what else do I do? Because it's also, you've, you know, you're devoted. If you think about, you know, if you do a law degree, then you do the conversion, then you mm. do the training. It's almost like one, two, three, four, five, six years. You put a lot of time, effort mm. and money into it. And then you think, right, so I just, just give it now. I, I did one year PQE with a foolish notion of thinking I'll do one year so at least I could come back and knowing that I never would come back and I never, um, you know, you are, you pay to keep yourself on the solicitor's role and I didn't so I knew that I just wasn't going to go back but also I knew I had to leave. Well, fortunately I was made redundant. It worked really well but before I was made redundant um, I, you know, I was speaking to my then boyfriend, now my husband, about how I just, you know, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore. And then very sweetly, um, there was a partner who used to scare me. He wasn't a partner then, but he used to scare me. Really hardworking, really driven. I never wanted to be on any of his um, his files because that would mean late night. Of course, I wasn't that into it. You the worst lawyer ever. I was the worst lawyer. So I just run when I saw him. And we were supposed to have a, um, a like a... It's called a, you know, you, you have somebody to look up to, like a mentor kind of thing. Mm. And I said, you know, we were supposed to meet. And then he said, um, hold off, let's meet in a couple of weeks. And I think he was doing me a favor there. Because if I had, um, you know, sat down with him before and said, I don't want to do this, you know, I wouldn't have got a redundancy package, which meant that actually that helped me a lot because that meant the year that I wasn't being a lawyer, I could focus on mm-hmm. what I wanted to do and not be worrying about trying to bring in income as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a weird way, um, I think I'm to thank him, you know. Have you thanked him? No, because he scares me. <laughs> <laughs> also, I don't know if he's there anymore. Also, I'm also kind of like just embarrassed to show my face. I'm just embarrassed to, do you know what I mean? I'm just embarrassed to think that, Actually, I got to a point in something that I wasn't so... I didn't give my 100% at the end. You know what I mean? I, was, I kind of feel that if I go back, I just feel like... I don't know. I, I like to feel that I give 100% of things that I do, and I just got very uninspired in that situation, and I didn't, and I don't like to feel that people feel that, oh, she's not hardworking. And so you're worried that they might look at you as a bit of a... Yeah, I know that's really silly, but... Yeah, I kind of feel that, you know, I didn't really... You don't think that they'd be kind of proud and impressed by what you've done since? Maybe. I don't know. The funny thing is, another partner who is um who was in that department lives... I sometimes see him in the park, and I kind of, we kind of smile knowingly, but we never chat. I wonder. I wonder. I have a, a big thing about um thank you notes and gratitude, and there was a lovely piece of research out a couple of weeks ago that says that we underestimate the value mm. of receiving a thank you so we think oh they won't they won't remember me they won't really care it doesn't really matter um, but actually people who receive thank you letters are really touched by it and it moves them quite a lot and then also thanking someone is really good for us as well because that all the stuff about gratitude and yeah. being in that state is 
is quite compelling. So my first thing is I wonder whether that actually wouldn't be a bad thing to do. Yeah. But then exactly as you said, I feel like he won't remember me. He 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 may be like, oh, I didn't know that was happening. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And look, I'm just probably I know remember his name exactly. I can go and find out where he works. And maybe I will do that. If if I were working with you, I might encourage you to do that as well. <laughs> maybe I will do that. But he's obviously going to turn around and say, I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe, but <laughs> I'll just be embarrassed. <laughs> But there's nothing wrong with being embarrassed because that's also about developing resilience. Fine. Embarrassment, yeah. Mm. Okay, you've set me a little little goal to do. Fine. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm going (laughs) to... You never know. You might say, I'm so proud of you and it's incredible and I was watching you on... Sassy Kitchen and all of that sort of stuff. Maybe. He just doesn't seem like that kind of person. But we never know what's going on with people underneath. That's, That's certainly true. one of the things that I can tell you for sure. Yeah. Is that we never know what's what's going on underneath. Particularly in law firms and corporate environments where yeah. there is a real a particular persona yeah. that is adopted for you know, those sorts of environments. That's true. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Okay. So you're made redundant. You're secretly mm. very happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> very happy about it. What do you do then? Uh, so I let my parents know, um, which actually is kind of like a get out of jail free card because it's not like I left law. It's like, oh dear, I didn't want to um, And then I actually was doing a supper. Actually, before, um, even before I was made redundant, one of my um, good friends that I met, who's still a great friend now, Chris, we uh, did a little supper club. We called it the Two Brownies. <laughs> okay, we, we were we're not very PC people. No. Um, 
And um, we did that in a little church just off the, oh, it's, it was a really cool location. I'm sure it's, we wouldn't be able to get it now. It's just um, by Old Street and what's that long road? Uh, City Road. Yeah, so it's literally on the corner oh, there, wow. a really lovely oh, church. Wow. Yeah, I think he was, um, he used to go to that church, so I think he, you know, and we did it so beautifully, we put candles in there, and, um, you know, really quite kind of a, a really big kitchen, a good space, and we put these candles, it looked very gothic, and we did, you know, we did ridiculous, I think the first time we did like 18 courses, and I was coming in from, I know, I don't know, you know, you get carried away, you get carried away. <laughs> I'm going to cook all the things. <laughs> I, I even made like, um, crab and callaloo raviolis you know and um i i was coming in from high street kensington mm-hmm. oh my god i think we started i think the supper club started at 7 30 at four o'clock i was still finishing off these ravioli i was just in a complete state i packed everything into a back of the addison lee because there was so much to take and i got there probably at like seven and then it was, no 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 that's a lie it took me well over an hour to get of course during like four o'clock but it was just like so much stress from that but you know, as soon as you start, it's just, it's always the anticipation, right? As soon as you get into it, it's brilliant. It's fun. And we did, you know, it was, um, it was just after New Year's. So it was a play on like New Year diet. So we did like KFC, but not real KFC. It was, um, venison or some game thing. We did these incredible donuts that then we let people squirt in their own little fillings. It was so much fun. I mean, like totally it ridiculous. was totally ridiculous <laughs> I think we lost so much money from that because that wasn't what we were thinking about then and then in retrospect we were like damn it we should have thought about that um I think why did you do it then what have... I just love well I know for me like cooking I love cooking for people I love cooking I love trying new things and it's just it's creative it's so much fun and you know I was naturally brought up in a um, household where we cooked a lot and I used to sit and watch my dad cook and I used to cook with and you know add, add food coloring to scrambled eggs and force feed my little sister. Sometimes add sugar in it. Ooh. Or, you know, like cut tomatoes and grill them and put hazelnut yogurt. Like just things that obviously are disgusting, but I got to try and just feed my loving family. Um, so I, you know, I guess in that time when I was, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, I just went back to food. Um, and it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Um, and then I slowly saw my, uh, the dishes were, becoming more Caribbean and I guess it's sort of like a mm-hmm. you go back you know you spend your childhood running away from the fact that you're not having just sandwiches that it's like tiffin boxes full of like chicken curry and stuff and you open it and the smell goes through the class and everybody looks around I says, know. yeah and then one of my friends um Gabby from a school she always used to have the same lunch it was always what was in a sandwich I think it was always a cheese sandwich a packet of red hula hoops and a wagon wheel. That is a classic. Really classic. Day in, day out. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. And I was kind of like envious. And I thought, mm, yeah, that's fine. I can do that. I can do that. It's really, it's <laughs> a really challenging one, isn't it? When you're children of immigrants, first, second, whatever generation. Yeah. And the thing about the weird lunch, like being mm. the one with the smelly lunch or the weird yeah. food and that it's a, I think it's a real challenge for kids who straddle both cultures because yeah. there's, a, of course, a desire to assimilate and yeah. just not stand out any more than you already do as yeah. the only brown one in the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, of course, this is this is the food of home. This exactly. Is, this is your food. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And I remember actually when, you know, sometimes my mum, you know, if we were obviously three little kids and my dad used to work a lot in London, so just be like mum and us, you know, 
if she didn't prepare lunch or if she, you know, and I was old enough to do it, I'd make like a, literally like a sandwich with salad and um, Heinz, like, what's that sort? Salad cream. Salad cream sandwich. And it was so like, you know, salad cream sandwich. And so chic. <laughs> <laughs> I even cut it into squares because my mum always would cut our sandwiches into triangles. Mm. Just cut it into squares. And I'd be like, pull out my salad cream sandwich at lunch and be like, mm, look at my salad cream sandwich. <laughs> So proud of it. I've assimilated everyone. Yes, yes. Everybody, look, look at me fitting in. <laughs> but it's true, and, it and I think true. that's I think that's one of the points of of the podcast and the thing that I'm always banging on about to yeah. the point where people are sick of hearing me say it. But that we use food to demonstrate certain things yeah. um, about ourselves, about our beliefs, about our desires, and yeah. and our ambitions. And I think there's something really poignant about you, you know moving away from the food of home that made you stand out that yeah. you have come back to of course and, and absolutely love and making a salad cream sandwich mm. and cutting it differently to the way that your mum would cut yeah. it as a, as a kind of demonstration yes look look at me fitting in yeah yeah I guess and I guess I guess that's how you, you go back to it because then you just want true comfort it's sort of like you want something you know something that makes you happy yeah I guess that's the, I guess that's how it was so after this Oh, the supper club? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I was trying to think of the word for it. Well, like... Ill-conceived. Very ill-conceived. Oh, my gosh. After the ill-conceived uh, supper club, what happened? After the Well, directly afterwards, I and my friend Chris, we drank a lot. <laughs> we were like, yay and nay. Yeah, and, was it consolation or congratulations? A bit of both. Um, had a really bad headache the next day. But then um, soon after that, I, you know, I started finding I was doing more and more food stuff, cooking stuff, and then um, it was MasterChef. It was the, you know, I did the What made you apply? So actually, I think it was like a therapy thing. I sat with a friend, and, you know, it was a question about what do I do, you know? Uh, you know, there was, I was writing, doing songwriting thing at the same time as well, but I also always felt that I never really was going to get so far with that, and also maybe I didn't have the inclination to do the whole, like, touring thing, but I was always pushed down the sort of... Um, R&B route again. The brown route. <sighs> and actually, you know, I'm like the total opposite of R&B. I'm like geeky, mused, you know, that, that kind of really, you know, so that was always, I had a manager then who was really lovely, but it was always like R&B. And I'm like, I'm so not R&B. It's, I had the same thing when I came out of, when I came out of Bake Off and I was talking to agents about yeah. things and I, wanted and I still do want to do a book about global bread traditions like every yeah. culture has their own kind of bread yes, how lovely. and I think there's something really important about understanding people's stories and histories through this this one type of food um I was told that it would be too um confusing I think was the word it's too confusing people won't understand um and then I was offered the suggestion and obviously this is no taint on all the current company but what about the Caribbean cookbook <laughs> You know, like Levi Roots. I just thought, oh god. <laughs> and and it's, it was a similar thing. I just, this yes, but I, I can do other things. I know I'm brown. Yeah, but there's more to me. But than, there's more to yeah. me than your stereotypical view of the fact that I might listen to R and B and yeah, yeah, and like curry goat. You know, <laughs> and it's it's really it's it's difficult because you don't want to seem 
Challenge, like no. they're still offering you an opportunity, exactly. But it's a, it's a kind of tainted opportunity. Yeah, and you have to be careful, I guess, because if you have to know that if you go down that route, you know that's it. You're not yeah. coming back out. That you is, don't want to do that. Your right? box. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's. Yeah. It's so funny though. I think that bed thing would be amazing. Like given now, how people are so into the story and the. It was. I think. Maybe you were too ahead of your time. Maybe I think mm-hmm. it was it was quite conceptual. You know, I was I yeah. was thinking about story, and I think what people were expecting, or what certainly what um, publishing houses thought would be most easily marketable, would be mm. a straightforward recipe book. Recipe book. Yeah. Here are eighty things that you can bake, and I had less of a platform at that point about story yeah. and you know, depth of content mm. and, and history and stuff. So um, I guess they didn't think it would it would require more marketing or, you know, yeah. shaping around it. Maybe. We'll see. Anyway, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> you were sitting with a friend oh, yeah. wondering so what to do with your do. life. And obviously I've been doing this cooking thing and I sort of think we, you know, sat with a glass of wine and, you know, she said, what's it going to help just do the application? And it was kind of like, it was it was therapeutic, I guess, because there's loads of like questions about the highs of your life and the lows of your life. So actually, it was emotional doing it because it's like, it was therapy, you know. Mm. I had to sat there and think, actually, God, I want in life. And all these sort of like big, grand questions. Um, and I sort of sent off the application in a way that, you know, look, I feel better. I kind of, I'm in a kind mm. of no what I want to do and it's kind of organize your thoughts exactly exactly um you know and I uh definitely sort of like the the food creative element at that point was more appealing than the um you know the getting down to R&B kind of route thing (laughs) (laughs) so I sent the application off and didn't think much about it again until you get a call back like few months later or mm. I didn't I still remember the process but I think it was maybe the end of spring to like the end of summer then mm-hmm. I get a sort of a oh you know that app you know oh was it a I think it was a phone call mm-hmm. first and then um and then you know with each round when you keep going through and through you the kind application of, process yeah the application mm-hmm. process you kind of um forget that you just doesn't feel it feels very surreal you know with each round and then and then I got really got into it um and I, uh, you know, then I started really believing, oh, hold on a minute, maybe this is, you know, this could be it. Um, until I had the shocker with the invention test. The invention test was horrendous. What were the, was it, was it a set amount of ingredients or was it going to the market? No, it was a set amount of ingredients, okay. but it's like every, it was the very first invention test, the very first thing I did on the programme. And I guess, you know, like I had been practising, I mean, putting flavours together, so I guess I felt a bit cocky about it all. And then there's like minced, like there's minced beef and there's a pepper and there's like a ciabatta and a bit of garlic, like stuff you'd have in your home. Uh-huh. And it just threw me because I had been like putting, um, you know, stuffing, uh, making, what's it called? Oh, I've forgotten it. You put the meat into um, clean film, you wrap it. Oh, yeah, and okay. you, Bal- Yeah, Your mm-hmm. Yeah, however one pronounces it, with um, pheasants and, you know, and stuffed it with like a mousse of whatever. And then here I had like minced beef and a pepper and a garlic and a ciabatta. It was terrible. I um, I ended up like rubbing the garlic clove on the ciabatta. Okay, so far so good. That's all right. <laughs> it was, well, I didn't rub it really well because there were big chunks of garlic, uncooked raw garlic. 
And then I thought, you know, I just thought, I didn't think through it. And then I poured lots of oil in the pan, thinking I was going to like deep fry something. Then last minute threw the beef into that pan. It wasn't hot enough. So the beef was kind of slowly low boiling in the oil. I um, grilled a mushroom. Um, did I grill it or fry it? Anyway, it wasn't enough to get the water content out of the mushroom. So it went really soggy. Um, and then I put the beef on the plate. Then I put the bread on the side and I put the mushroom and I phrase it as a deconstructed burger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that could have like, I may not have been sitting with you today had I not gone and redeemed myself in the next round. I don't know, I just was completely thrown. That's, I was just completely thrown. I mean, give me a minced beef at home now. I'll make wonderful things Was that the first, first, first ever thing you did? Very first thing I oh, did. Oh, so it's in there, that's fine. That's okay. that's just nerves. Yeah. Um, I haven't told you, like, oh, because we've never met. But um, <laughs> my, the first the first task in Bake Off um, was just it was just a Victoria sponge. Mm-hmm. Literally the backbone of any home baker. Baking, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I'd obviously done the recipe a million times. Yeah. It was your own signature dish. So, I, you know, and I'd done it and I timed it and it was... It was perfect. perfect. And then, literally, as we were queuing up outside the tent, that scene was shot where you see people walking in. Yes, yeah. People were talking about, what method do you use? Like, do you use the same weight of everything? 275 flour, butter, sugar, three eggs, whatever it was. Um, Or do you do what the WI do, which is the way the eggs, and then use the same amount of the other ingredients. Of the other ingredients. Wow, I didn't know that was a thing. It's amazing. Um, I, and I discovered, I heard of it, and I was like, oh, no, no, I'll just stick with my recipe. That for, for some reason, at that very moment, I decided to switch my plan yeah. and and do this method, and my cake sunk. Oh, and I could have gone home that first week because my cake sunk. I literally had to make a, a second Amazing. cake immediately. So I made two cakes in that first round. Oh, my God. <laughs> Were you asked to? You weren't asked to? No, I was just like, I need to do it again. Like, oh, my God, that's the second cake, I guess, didn't... It was fine. It was, it was still warm method. though, so all the curd was still like. Yeah. But it, you know, I went back to my original recipe. Um, but you panic. Yeah, but it's amazing that you still then, you know, because some people would panic and then just think this is it. I'm done. I'm done. You know, and just that's it. Start crying, run away. <laughs> but my mom. Yeah. But you kept your cool and you made made something else. So you made double in the same time as everyone else made one. <laughs> Scraped mm. through. Scraped through. Well, it was so, an yeah. important scrape there, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. And it taught me, and it was, yeah, it was lucky to, it was lucky to have that lesson straight away, so, which is stick to the plan. What you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you to have to have a plan. You can't start just putting things together. You have to know in your head what you're cooking. Because you, you just, you know, you just, otherwise you just go awry <laughs> with whatever, you know, you stop making deconstructed soggy burgers. What did you do in the second round that... Um, oh, it skin. was a taste test. Okay. So it was like, you know, working out what was in this and recreating it. And I have got a good, um, you know, I, I'm very good at picking out flavours and things. So I redeemed myself on that. Except I got really peed off with Greg because I um, didn't put enough cream in it. And he said, well, you don't look like you have cream anyway. <sighs> Not nice. I mean, that's, as we were saying, you know, you look at somebody and yeah. you presume all these things. And I thought, oh, okay, cool. Do you get that a lot, or did you get that a lot? People making yeah, assumptions about how totally. much or what you eat. I did a lot. You know, I'm I'm athletic frames. You know, my weight does fluctuate, but within a normal mm-hmm. whatnot. And I did get that a lot. You know, I 
still do sometimes, you know, people say, oh, how do you stay so simple? You don't eat all those things on Instagram. I'm like, I do. I work out as well. I don't always eat like that, you know, but now it's different. I um, slip my disc in my back. So what I can do is, is limited. And I have noticed a little, a little tummy. <laughs> embrace her. Give her a name. Embrace her. <laughs> my little food baby. But um, I just think I, you know, I don't care as much as I used to. So mm. like, a little tummy here or there. It's weird though, isn't it? I mean, how people feel just entitled mm. to comment I know. about your body. Imagine if I said that to him when he was in a slightly more rotund state. Yeah, that would never fly. So I'm surprised yeah. they aired it actually. Yeah, only now I think about it because they did air it. Only now I think about it, I thought, hmm, surely that's a. Hmm. But not believe me. I'm sure if it was like if it was the opposite way around, mm. they would have yeah. had some bad comments. But I think that's the thing about people assuming that you'll just take it as a compliment yeah. because we have this thing about actually being thin is what is yeah. aspirational and therefore everyone who's, who's slimmer yeah. is, is just happy about it. But you mean, I felt so subconscious after that. I felt really, I thought, oh, God, what, I think? what if people are looking at me thinking of, you know, so I felt self-conscious about that, but I had to get over that quickly because I had to go and boil some more beef. <laughs> bar those, that little thing it actually was really a really fun experience I loved it I was getting up early in the morning to like fry um uh sea bass fillets and it was just I guess you, you're running on adrenaline and I love love when I have a really intense period of life and it just go 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 I do like that and then because at the end you feel oh you know I really deserve this moment to just zen mm-hmm. out I really enjoyed it um I was obviously like Back then, when um, I um, was kicked out, uh, I obviously had a release of emotions because it's been so much adrenaline mm. building up. But then I thought, you know, you think of the flip side, and I'm like, okay, cool, done that. Now, now, how do I make this into something that mm. I can actually do for my for work? Well, that was the next thing. Did you think of it when you were going through it as a launch pad, or did that only come no, afterwards? it only came afterwards, because still I wasn't set on what I was going to do, you know, I didn't know mm-hmm. what I was going to do, I thought food is interesting, but I don't know what aspect of it, and only from going through that, and then I slowly, you know, I remember my last dish had a lot of Caribbean stuff, so slowly I became more and more into my, the Caribbean things, and I thought, oh, well, you know what, I really am enjoying this, let's see what I can do, if there are any opportunities that arise from doing it, and, you know, there's still... There was at that time there was you know nobody really doing Caribbean food that wasn't like Levi Roots, Levi Roots, <laughs> uh, Rusty Lee's long retired, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you know just like jerk wings and stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love that stuff, I really do. But there's more, there's more to it, so yeah. much more to it. Um, so I thought I'd you know go go down that route. Um, I love it, I love it. It's just. I guess you meet so many people. Like the one thing I guess about this industry is that it is lonely. If you're not if you're not working in a kitchen, like I do most of my other than when I have meetings or I'm you know doing consulting or whatever, I do most of my work in my kitchen. So mm. this is a loneliness. I always miss out on like the office parties at Christmas time. Not that I ever went to those when I was a lawyer, but now But you have the option. I have the option to <laughs> decline. And now I can't even decline. So <laughs> so um yeah, so when my when my husband gets back home and obviously having um 
my son, it's different. He's at nursery for half of the week. So when he's at nursery, I get on. And when my husband gets back, it's like, oh, hi, adult. Exactly. Like, you know, it's nice. It's really nice for him as well. We get so much attention. Never go back to work, like work, work in an office. Stay home. Um, yeah. And so you started a new project of family food or yeah. food for kids? So, well, really family food because I don't think there's necess- it's necessary to like separate. And obviously it's a very, um, it's a very shaky ground. This shaky sort of, is that the right phrase? It's a very not disputed. It's very controversial. <laughs> you know, I think it's, um, I feel you just, Provided you just, you know, you're not, not giving a child like a scotch bonnet chili. I think you kind of, as a mum, you kind of guess no, you know. I feel there's so much um, information out there that mm-hmm. scares you. There's so much, you mustn't do this, you mustn't do that. You must make sure to give them peanuts before they're six months of the, you know. And, and actually, as a, I, you know, as a first-time mum, I just scared scared so much. I thought, oh, my God, I'm doing something wrong, you know. Um, and then I just thought, you know what, as, as we said earlier, that, it's humankind has managed to made us make us survive for the years and years and years we've been here. So kind of trust in that. Mm. Um, I did it before mommy blogs existed. Exactly. And you know, I didn't do the whole, I didn't, I didn't puree food, but I wasn't like a self, I just sort of, we ate stuff and he had some of it mm-hmm. and that's how we managed. And you know, there are moments that you sort of start heart starts panicking because you think, is that mango going to slide all the way down? Like maybe I shouldn't have given him mango. It's so slippery. And, and you kind of like get over it, you know? And does he have, what's his uh, relationship with food like? Oh, it's really good. It's it's really lovely. And I'm so proud of that because I know as a child, I was a really fussy eater. And again, you know, growing up, my mum wasn't a, like, you know, she just literally gave us whatever they ate. You know, we had it. It was always the same. Um, and I always had a funny um, relationship with seafood. You know, I think maybe I had um, an allergy when I was younger, and even if my mum would hide things, I'd just sort of bring it up. Um, and he, and you know, so sometimes I'm still very, what I say, sensitive to certain seafoods, and you can yeah. feel it. You know, if I'm a bit run down, I'm like, no, I can't. I don't think I can manage that today. Yeah. Actually, when when my husband and I got engaged, I was having muscles that night, and I um spent the night. Very romantic at all. It sounds like I spent the night. No, I actually um, woke up in the middle of the night and puked all over the floor. And then my poor husband. And because I had um, uh, I had a um, a scone because it's in Devon. I had a scone with clotted cream and I think with some sort of black cherry jam. Like it was black. And my husband, just my one visual of us getting engaged was like for the rest of the weekend. My husband was there with like marigolds on, just scrubbing the carpet. And I just thought that's sickness and health. That's, that's a good man. Sickness and health, yeah. <laughs> We're getting started early. I know. <laughs> but no, he's a, Marzi's like, he's a, he's really adventurous. And that's because I think, well, it could be his character. I'm sure it's not all down to the way we've been with him, but we just sort of like let him try anything, you know, even this like, this crunchy spit piece. He saw mm-hmm. my mum having it just now and it's spicy and I'm sure there's like a horrendous amount. Actually, no. As the in lists, as the other ingredient says, it's only split peas, vegetable oil, salt and pepper. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> so if you want to try, say, so yeah, fine, try it, you know. Mm. Try a bit of everything. I'm not, again, you know, I'm not anti-sugar. He, now and again, will have an ice cream. We don't have it on a daily basis, but I don't want to... Scare him. I don't want to scare him, but also, like, you know, my mum, you know, we were all brought up on, 
you know, have a bit of jam here, ice cream here, chocolate there. You know, I think it's, I personally, and again, obviously, it's, you have to be so careful of, mm. you know, I'm not a nutrition expert, but everything in moderation. I don't want a child who then goes out and necessarily binges on something. So, yeah. you know, we have a little bit here and then, and, but he also understands good food. He also always also gets good food and vegetables and fruit and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I always, my big thing, because I'm surrounded by, well, I've been brought up on the big flavours, it's just doing lots of stuff with him, and, you know, we cook together, um, there's always something spicy, not necessarily chilli spice, but mm-hmm. like a spice, mm-hmm. or something unusual for him to try. Um, when he was really little, we used to go to this little cooking class down at a um, local crash, and we'd, we'd like tarot them, and he'd just sort of be chewing away at it, and, or bite into an onion, and then... Like, Stop crying, but you know yes. it's not what life is about. Just trying and not liking. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like some. He doesn't like everything, and I'm not going to force him because I don't like everything. Yeah. I'll keep trying. Another time, I'll say, hey, "Do you want to try again?" And you know, I'm not going to sit there and force. It's like he doesn't like. He's very funny about certain textures, so gnocchi and Polish dumplings. Mm-hmm. Um, God, it sounds really like. <laughs> He's, he's not a big fan of smoked salmon, but he's, he loves caviar. Sounds like that, that you mean. <laughs> no, do, do you it's like kind of middle class. Polish dumplings. <laughs> do you follow um, Kenji Lopez on... No. On, so he's um, one of the writers for Serious Eats. Okay. Um, and he, his daughter, Alicia, I think she must be coming up to a year now. Yeah. must have she has a, a more mature palette than me this girl okay. has tried so much oh and it's just amazing. it's really lovely to see because he shows he shares on instagram what he's feeding her today yeah. and what she's having and it's just lovely to see and he only shows her hands actually yeah well, that's nice um you know, just a little chubby hand going and grabbing something and trying it. And oh, amazing. Yeah. All right, so, so I need to get the, um, the, the, what's the handle so I can follow that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it makes me laugh, though, because I then think about back to my childhood that, you know, if a lot of people are doing that now, sending their kids with tiffins. But back in the day, it was just yeah. like, do you know what I mean? It's like swapped around. Now people are, I feel like everybody's so interested in different cultures' food now. And if people are so excited to try new things. So it's like, you know, well... The Polish dumplings he actually had at his nursery because they do like World Food Day really awfully though. I think, you know, about two weeks ago they had Jamaica. He didn't eat any of that. He didn't have that. Oh, the shame. I know. I was like, <laughs> uh, excuse me, you go back in there and you finish off that jerk chicken. Oh, but is that the equivalent of your salad sandwiches? Yeah. I, mean, no. <laughs> no, I have this all the time. Mama, <laughs> I'm Polish now. <laughs> so, uh, it's so funny. It's so much fun until it's not fun, you know. It's uh, that's the that's the thing that as a parent got gets to me the most. I mean, knock wood, it's been fine now. But I remember when he was like ten months, he went through as kids do. They go through like a week of being a bit fussy, mm. and that's when I would want to tear my hair, yeah, tear my hair out because it'd be like you know, just think, eat, eat, because you just think they're gonna not Perish. so much they eat for a week, but they do. He somehow managed to get chubbier in that week. I don't know how, but. Yeah, and it's one of the things that, I mean, that's, that's really lovely to hear. And it sounds as if you've managed, other than that week when you were 10 months, to be non-anxious about feeding him, like letting him try stuff, letting him try yeah. the stuff that you're eating, making it normal, 
retrying things that he said no to before so that because I, you know, that's one of the things isn't it just yeah. keep trying they won't like it now they might like it a bit later but they might have been in the mood for it then and, exactly um and that's what a lot of people that I work with we try to help them get back to is a, an mm. intuitive way of eating yeah. of just trusting their yeah. own bodies and if they don't want it now it's okay they don't have to eat it because it's healthy or because yeah. it's the right time to eat or because of all these external rules about how we should be eating and there are so many of those rules yeah but creating a way in which you can just trust yourself exactly and know that your body isn't going to let you starve to death and you know you can allow yourself to eat the things you like yeah in reasonable quantities exactly you don't have to make anything forbidden and yeah and it's yeah. going to be okay and that's it's so lovely to hear that he's getting that. I hope so. I mean, I think I'm quite a neurotic person, so I was really, and actually, because we have this dog, which I mean, she, I have, can't believe she hasn't come to like pour at you. She's normally sort of pouring at people. She's, I mean, she has to call her a dog. She's like a little mouse, really. <laughs> um, and she, you know, we have had her for, she'll be nine in December, and it was like, oh, I really recommend getting a dog if we have a child because, like, she's a total princess. Like, we learnt from being so OTT and being my neurotic self with her. That that's not what we wanted to do. Oh, do you know, wow. it's, it's unbelievable. It was like the test child. That is a top parenting tip. Do you know what? <laughs> it really is because she is so spoiled. She's the one who'd be whining and crying. Like Mars is easy. You know, you put him to bed, he gets on. You know, she is the one who have tantrums and whine <laughs> and cry. And I know that's because of the way it's the way we raised this puppy. <laughs> Honestly, like things like so. The the the, the breeder said, you know, you know, she'd feed her parmesan and eggs and. And now Sorry? I just, exactly. I look back and I think, oh my god. Parmesan and eggs? The dog is better like, than me. <laughs> to start with, it was like, oh no, she's tiny, you a little bit of this and that. I don't know why we did, why we listened, but we listened and you know, I used to You know they're descended the from wolves. I know. You see this one, you wouldn't think that. You would not think that. This one looks like a little big mouse. But because of her and because of the way she is, I mean, she's sweet, but she's like hard work. I just thought, you know, are my new, have my neuroses passed on to her? And I think they have. Well, that's, so, I mean... It's a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was specifically, I am going to not be that person with my son mm-hmm. and see. Obviously, there are times I have to hold myself back because that just comes out. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, have a, have a dog before you have a child. I, I feel like that deserves a blog post or something. <laughs> I feel like it could be one of those things that goes viral and everyone just decides it's the wisest thing they've ever yeah. heard. Except I'm sure I'll have an NSPC, no, 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 RSPCA on my case. She, so. she treats her dog better than she does it. So. Yeah. Do not start. There's been an increase in rise of dogs. The pretend practice children. Shivi, if people want to... If people want to follow you, find you on socials, send you messages, find out whether you did send that thank you note, um, how can they do that? Shivi Ramutar. Simple. I know, I say it's simple, but God, it's like, it's a um, tricky name, but I guess you have it so people can see the spelling. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a name and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm very good at responding to messages and whatnot, so I... Well, congratulations on... Well, everything, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Surviving redundancy. (laughs) Good luck with the new projects. It's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's it. 
Thanks again to Shivy for sharing her food stories and her hot sauce. You can find Shivy on socials at Shivy Ramatar, and that's S H I V I R A M O U T A R. I'll be back soon with all sorts some thoughts on wellness, some fabulous guests, and maybe a little bit of nutritional neuro research. I know you've been missing some of that. That just leaves me to thank you very, very much for listening. And until next time, I wish you the very best of health. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 